When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what up, everybody? I'm Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. And we are excited. Wow. Yeah, you like that, Jerry. It was a good intro, right? Nice. <laughs> we are excited to be on this podcast with legendary boxer Jerry Cooney. I'm excited. I, I was doing my research and just totally jazzed up for this, uh, this podcast interview here. And before we jump into it, uh, Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being a friend of the pod. Great. Nice to be with you guys, man. Yeah. Rick, Very good. I, everything, everything's good. I just got off my own radio show. I'm on Sirius XM channel 156 every Monday, every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. Right now it's uh, 7 to 8 p.m. until this pandemic gets over with. We have a great show talking about, you know what, boxing. Jerry, I love it. Plug away. Whatever plugs you want, throw them in. So. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that. I just came out with a few months ago a book called Gentleman Jerry, a okay. contender in the ring and a champion in recovery. You can buy it at most, most uh, bookstores, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and it tells a story about my life from the beginning to the end, what happened so far. Love it. Love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that once we get off this uh, podcast. So I'll go on Amazon. I got a bunch of stuff in my cart. Great. Great. <laughs> Hey, Rick, why don't you give the listeners a little background on G legendary boxer Jerry Cooney. Unpack it for him. Rob, it would be my honor and privilege to introduce today's guest, Jerry Cooney. And Jerry, that book of yours, what a fitting title. I talked to a lot of people in the boxing community, and they were excited to know you'd be on the podcast here today. And all of them had such wonderful praise to articulate how gentleman-like you've been throughout your career. So what a fitting title for your book. Congratulations on that. Yeah, they're probably talking about Jerry Quarry. <laughs> <laughs> but well, by the way, Jerry Quarry was a great guy too. He was a great guy. Had a lot of fun with him through the years. Great fighter. He just couldn't get up to that next level up, up, but he was a terrific guy. Well, you got to the next level up. And for all you listeners out there, Jerry Cooney, was a star boxer. He, his career spanned from the 70s through the 80s and even fought into the 90s. So three decades worth of boxing. The man twice challenged in the 80s for the world heavyweight title. He's known for his big left hook, his imposing size, said to be one of the greatest punchers of all time. And he had a dominating amateur career growing up on Long Island. 24 out of 28 of his professional victories were by knockouts. And at one point in his career, the World Boxing Council ranked him the number one boxer in the world. So ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Cooney. Thank you guys, thank you so much. And unfortunately, I couldn't get the fight. Don King owned all the heavyweights in them days. And because I refused to sign with him, he kind of kept me out. He didn't want me to gain the experience fighting some of his guys. So that when I got a chance to fight Holmes, that being said, also Larry Holmes was a great, great fighter. Top in the history of the game, top three or four in boxing history. So uh, I was in there with a great guy, 
And uh, I loved every moment of it with him being in there. And all the times I fought, I just loved it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm getting chills. I was, I was looking. I was, I was Wikipediaing. I wanted to get the, uh, the facts turn straight. And I was turn the heat up. Turn the heat up. Will you turn the heat up? <laughs> getting chills. I know. I was getting chills. I was like, damn, Jerry. <laughs> um, so, so let's dive into this. We got a laundry list of questions, and we got to respect your time on this Memorial Day. Well, no, let's just say this. Like, we met through, through uh, Harry, right? That's you right. Rick, yeah. Yep. Jerry, you and I, we got a chance to play some golf years ago together during the Fellowship of Christian Athletes charity golf tournament in the state of New Jersey. And you were just so kind and so wonderful, but it's been great to uh, stay connected with you. You know, we love Harry Flaherty. He's a great guy. All the things he does, I take my hat off to him. He's really so dedicated in helping those kids and making them study before school, during school. You know, so it's really been a great experience knowing him. You know, sometimes we get a little busy. I got a whole family now, and I'm on the radio a couple of days a week. I got a gym. I, so it's not as easy to get around as I used to. But listen, Harry Flaherty is my man. Massive shout out to Harry Flaherty. I love it. Uh, so, Jerry, first question for you. Like, walk us through what it was like growing up on the island, Long Island, and being a boxer, you know, in your, in your teenage years. Well, I don't really feel like answering that question. So uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. Are you kidding me? I was uh, nobody really fought. There wasn't that many people did boxing in them days. And my older brother Tommy left the house when he was fifteen. He didn't get along. My father was a, a raging. He drank a lot and was kind of physically abusive. And Tommy left the house when he was fifteen. A couple of years later, he started going to a boxing gym, Huntington Recreation, John Capabianco. And I used to go and follow him there. We always had a heavy bag in the basement. I'd punch it around, all that. So I'd go to the gym, watch him, spend time with my brother. I loved. And then one day I thought, well, let me get the gloves on. I liked it. And this little tang guy kicked my ass. He, he knocked me around the ring. So I got out, threw the gloves down. I said, forget it, I'm not doing this again. And I went home, waited a couple of days, and I went back down to the basement, understanding he was going to come on me and how to be prepared for that. And then I went back to the gym. And they asked if I could box that kid again, except he couldn't do that to me again. And then six months later, my brother and I both went into the New York State Golden Glove Championship. I was a middleweight, six four hundred and sixty pounds, and my brother was a heavyweight. And uh, I won the middleweight title that night. My brother unfortunately lost to a very experienced guy from the Virgin Islands, and uh, and I uh, stuck with the game. I liked it. it; fed me, it kept me alive, it helped me express. My anger, uh, they, they made me somebody. I remember after every fight going home and going to the, to, the, to the newsstand in the morning and seeing my picture on the back page of the Daily News. So that was very cool back then. That's how I got my start. Oh, my gosh. So cool. So cool. I remember when I was a kid, we went to the um, uh, Golden Gloves, and it was such a special moment with, uh, with our dad going to see those. So it was cool. Um, well, it was cool seeing it, but it wasn't as cool as being in there, bro. I know, I know. Come on, bro. You got to get in there. I, I'm going to still give you that chance. You still got the chance. Maybe you and your brother together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry, I've knocked him out a bunch. He's, he's taken enough beatings over the year. Yeah, I think I would get some point deductions. He was a little bit taller than me. I kept giving him some low blows. So. Well, that's why I said all you're going to hear is get up. Get up. 
So, so Jerry, walk us through your amateur career, the Golden Gloves, and then what made you turn pro? What was the process like to turn pro? You know what? It was a whole, it was a, a great experience because once the bell rang, you had to fight. You know, it was not easy getting in there every time. I, every week you'd go into the garden. You know, I was never around that kind of bunch of people. And they're all looking to take your head off and you just couldn't wait for the belt to ring. Because once the bell rang, you had to fight. And uh, I was a pretty good puncher all those years. And I knocked a lot of guys out. I think in my first year in the New York State Golden Glove Championship, I was 7-0 and with five knockouts. So back then we used to fight a lot in those days. Every week you fought. And uh, I had five knockouts in seven fights to win the middleweight title. <laughs> and uh, it kind of gave me a, a, a coat of armor made me feel like somebody and something I've been looking for in my life because I kind of got knocked around when I was a kid and I was told, you're no good, you're a failure. You know, unfortunately, my father gave me that news and I, I never liked it, but I always heard it in the back of my mind. So boxing helped me to get out of that mindset and mm. it made me be somebody. And then I went on and win the gloves again. And then I fought on the United States team. I went over to Europe, knocked everybody out and I came <laughs> home. And they told me to stay in shape because the Russians are coming. And so I didn't stay in shape. I was drinking beer with my friends. Six days before the fight, they called me, told me I was fighting the third-ranked Russian. So I ran for six days and you know, had everybody from Long Island come to see me fight. And I knocked the guy out in the first round. And, uh, <laughs> and I was on my way. So it was a great, great. So I'm going to bring you back to February 5th, 1997 against Billy Jackson. That was your first ever fight, correct? Your professional fight? That was my first pro fight yeah, in Sunnyside Gardens. That's not even around anymore. So where, Sunnyside, was a, where was that? In Queens. It was, a, it was a famous fight arena back in the old days. And it's a shame they didn't keep that up because it was a historic place. And so uh, mine was... That card, Ronnie, Ronnie, um, oh my God, um, one of my spawn, one of my stable mates was the main event that night. I was having my first fight, and then that was the last time. This kid was, was he won the gold medal in the Olympics in 1968, and uh, and we were stable mates together, and we both won that night. I knocked my guy out in the first round. Yeah, what, a, that was the last what a statement! Time. What a statement right there! First fight coming out, first round knocked out. <laughs> well, you know, you feel so much pressure because I'm fighting pro now. Is what? But I'm fighting for a living. I got to make a living out of this, and it was scary. I mean, you're in a strange place, strange people, and obviously you got to wait for that belt to ring and fight. And I was, thank God, I was pretty good at it back in the days. Mm, mm. Yeah, and then. Fast forward a little bit to, um, I want you to walk us through this fight in 1981, Madison Square Garden, the Long Island kid that you are, you probably have the place sold out from all your friends and family there. Um, and you knock, uh, you knock the person out in 54 seconds. You know, that's a great date, but I can't remember. Uh, I'm always kidding, just kidding, I'm only kidding. I'm fighting Kenny Norton in Madison Square Garden. I'm ranked number one in the world. The winner gets a shot with Larry Holmes. Now, Kenny Norton, if you, you're too young to remember, but he was Mandingo. He was a, a big, tough guy actor. He was a great fighter. He broke Ali's jaw, I think, twice. He fought, fought uh, Holmes uh, to a 15-round close fight. 
And, uh, but I knew that when you fought Kenny Norton, if you backed him up, he couldn't get off. So if I gave him the room to come on me, he would be a lot more aggressive, a lot tougher, but I put the pressure on him. And I hit him with a right hand to the body, and he kind of buckled a little bit in that first round, and I kind of worked him into the corner, and he was bobbing and weaving. And once I caught up to that, the bobbing and weaving, I hit him with an uppercut on the chin. I saw him kind of deflate a little bit, but he was sitting on the ropes, so the referee couldn't tell he was standing up before. And so in all the front pages of the newspapers the next day, it was Kenny Norton four punches from death. And I believe that was true. And they stopped the fight. And I got a shot at Larry Holmes with a heavyweight championship award from that one-round knockout. Oh, my gosh. I literally just got chills right now, Jerry. Um, so, every, so, so walk us through leading up to the Larry Holmes fight. Uh, I mean, the fight Great. itself, 13 rounds unbelievable and then you guys are friends like friends afterwards i i was i can't stand him i can't stand him <laughs> no, we're, we're, no we're, we're the best of friends actually you know it was a, a big uh, uh he was upset with me because i'm getting the shot at the title i'm getting a parody with him so it's dollar for dollar and uh and he always you know he was a listen he was a sportsman he was a great athlete fine-tuned he was great at what he did and here i am trying to take his, uh, his heavyweight championship away. He wasn't too happy about that, but, and so every time I saw him, he wanted to kill me, you know? And a couple of times I was with Howard Costello, we were doing it, I thought I might have to hit him. I didn't, and, uh, and the fight was anticipated. It was fought in Las Vegas, Nevada. They built a 35,000 seat stadium in the parking lot of uh, Caesars Hotel. And uh, I remember Frank Sinatra, the president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, had a phone in my room. Uh, you know, if I won that night, I was going to be uh, on, the, on, te on the telephone at Ronald Reagan. Uh, the owners of Caesars Palace had me flying to their kids' graduation. It was, it was crazy. And obviously, we went out that night. It was 115 degrees in that ring that night. And, uh, and I was fighting Larry Holmes for the heavyweight champ with all the experience in the world. He fought everybody, never ducked anybody. And we had a great fight. Uh, it went back and forth for, for 12 rounds. Uh, he was hitting me low. He, he was pulling my head down, made me punch low a couple of times. And uh, the referee didn't see him pulling my head down. And I got three points taken away, which kind of kills you in the fight. And, uh, and I kind of thought to myself, man, you know what? This guy can't hurt me. I went out in the 13th round. Go ahead and hit me. You can't hurt me. Dumb thing. Inexperienced. And I got stopped in the 13th round. We made a lot of money. We made a lot of fans. And I don't, to the life of me to today, I don't know why there was never a rematch because that's what I needed. I needed a challenge like that. And all the experience I learned from fighting him that night, I could have taken that into the second fight, but it never came about. We're the best of friends today. We travel 15, 20 times a year. We're always together going to different charities and paydays and appearances and we're the best friends. Awesome. Awesome. I absolutely love it. That's fantastic. You sure you are you sure you want to fight me? Me? <laughs> Larry, I'd be I'd be knocked out in 0.5 seconds. It wouldn't even be fair. Like <laughs> now what I have to I'm gonna turn it over to Rick in a second because he's got a slew of questions for you. But I gotta I gotta ask, you know, looking at your record 
and the knockouts, like, and I think I was reading somewhere that, that none of your fights went the distance. It was like always one, either you or the other person are going to get knocked out. You knocked out more people, obviously. But like, what was the mental preparation going into that? Just knowing someone's not going to get out of this ring. Well, you know what? When you go into a fight, you have two or three fight plans. And you watch a couple of films of the fighter. You know what he does. You know the mistakes he makes. You, you know about his strengths. You try and stay away from them. And so you kind of constantly, you know, I talk about a friend of mine that when I watch him train, he's got that look in his eye like he's working it out. Like, I'm going to figure this out, how to get this guy out of here. And that was my plan. I, I want to try and see what happens when I jab him, when I throw the right hand to the body, what does he do? And then, you know, you're going to set him up to get him into that place again to knock him out. Most of the times that worked. But in the, towards the end of my career, I had to wait around. I couldn't get fights. I was waiting. And I started to drink and not take care of myself. And obviously, to be a fine-tuned athlete, you need to take care of yourself. The motor's got to be running right. And, uh, and I got distracted and got messed up with the world. And uh, it caught up with me. And I got stopped that night by Larry Holmes. And, but the whole process, the, there was a big racial thing going on. I couldn't stand my managers. I couldn't stand Don King. I was just so fed up with the game. I really needed somebody like a Harry Flaherty in my corner tell me, let's, let's pay attention, let's, let's stay focused here, and let's go for this. Had I had something like that, I could have been a better fighter. But that being said, had a great career, uh, made a lot of money, have tons of friends all my life that I met through my career. And uh, people still call me to make appearances, to go places. So it's all good. We're calling you. Oh, my God. You. And I'm we're calling you. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, you got to be kidding me. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. Uh, not again. <laughs> hey, hey, Larry. <laughs> Jerry, that was awesome. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Rick. Rick, why don't you take the torch right here? Fire away. Listen, yeah, if, you so, call me, if you call me Larry one more time, I'm going to come, come through the screen and hit you I'm, I'm prepping for the fight. I'm prepping for the fight. <laughs> I think he wants it, Jerry. I think he wants to fight you. I told you what he's going to hear. He's going to hear, get up. Get up. <laughs> so, so, Jerry, up, yeah, I wanted to know. I know a lot of our listeners out there were curious. I mean, you were such a great fighter in your day. What did you do to harness that pre-fight nerves, the fears of – not knowing what's going to happen, you know, to, to walk, walk us through the locker room and walking out to the ring every time. Well, I have a great picture in my gym, hanging in the gym. It's when uh, you get a knock on the door and the commissioner opens up the door and says, Cooney, you're next. And then there's that long walk from the dressing room about halfway till you come out to the ring and your life is passing before you. 
you know, what's going to happen here? I got to figure this. I got to figure that. And then once you get near the roar of the crowd, you get to see the people cheering. That turns off and you're like, I can't wait for this bell to ring because I want to fight right now. And that's been my experience. And it's a great experience. I mean, obviously, I could do without the butterflies. But, you know, once you hear the roar of the crowd and, and, and the fans out there, you are fit to be tied. You don't care who's being announced, who they sing into. All you want to do is you want the bell to ring and you want to get it on. I love it. I love it. That's so great. I know, uh, geez, man, like Rob said earlier, little chills just hearing that. I feel like I'm ready to fight. <laughs> don't go crazy, bro. Don't go crazy. <laughs> All right. So, we, so we, we dug deep into your big fight against Larry Holmes. You took on George Foreman at one point. What's your most memorable, favorite opponent, maybe the toughest opponent that you've had to face over the years? Well, I mean, there were so many interesting fights. I had Animal Lopez who really uh, beat John Tate. They didn't give him a decision. Um, and then I had, obviously, uh, Jimmy Young in Atlantic City. That was my first televised fight. Nobody looked good against him. He beat George Foreman. He really beat Norton. He beat those guys in very close fights. But because he didn't have the name, he didn't get the victories. That was a terrible thing to happen to him. Uh, I fought him. He was 9-0 going into my fight. And uh, it was a very exciting, interesting fight. He was a tactician. Where it was very difficult to connect him with him. And so I found the opening. I found the way in. I looked for the body. I, I tried to set him up, and I landed a shot between his eyes and cut him a couple inches between his eyes. Now, I didn't know if I told you this, guys, but the most people, are, you know, don't like to see blood. Me either. I almost got sick there. I hit him between the eye, cut him open. He started bleeding. I don't know what to do with myself. But I did. <laughs> I took care of it. I knocked him out in the fourth round and got the victory. Uh, after that fight, I mean, obviously I'm fighting Ron Lyle in the Coliseum, who's another guy who got uh, rounds of the year fighting George Foreman. They both dropped each other in the fight that night. And he told me that if I have to crawl across the ring, on my hands and knees and bite you on the leg. That's what I'm going to do. And I said, oh, shit. I said, well, that's, thanks for telling me that. And uh, obviously, same thing when I came out. He was trying to use his experience on me. But, you know, experience is, is a great thing. But power is another thing. And I caught him with a great body shot. I broke his ribs. He went out through the ropes. And it was all over. And then, obviously, you know, my next big fight was with uh, Kenny Norton in the garden. Um, Big payday with the promise of whoever wins fights Larry Holmes for the heavyweight championship of the world. And I don't think anybody thought I was going to knock him out in 54 seconds. In fact, I didn't either. I thought I was in for a tough, tough fight. But I was in really great shape. I think that night, had I fought Holmes or fought anybody, I beat anybody that night. I was in such great shape. And then, you know, I grew up, my father told me a lot of negative things to help me to survive in life. You're no good, you're a failure. You're not going to amount to anything. Don't trust nobody. Don't tell nobody business. But in, in, in the reverse effect, it kind of kept me down. And I didn't have a lot of faith in myself and confidence in myself. And I think when I knocked out Norton that night, then the big fight was there. And I think I self-sabotaged myself. I think I kind of set myself up. And I didn't take care of myself. In, in the biggest moment of my life, when I should have been so excited about having a great trainer and getting ready and getting in shape. I went off drinking and, you know, messing around with uh, 
you know, recreational drugs and not paying attention to myself. And 13 months later, I got stopped by one of the all-time great heavyweight champions of the world. And so um, that's a lesson for us to, to take on. And, and uh, I'm praying that one day I'm going to train a guy where I can tell him, listen, hey, come on, kid, come with me. Let's pay attention now. This is very serious. Well, that young guy, wherever he is, whenever he is, will be real fortunate to have you on in his you in his corner for sure, Jerry. Thank you, thank you. So, so you've just named the Garden, the Coliseum. You talked about fighting in Vegas. What's your favorite venue you've ever fought in? Well, I had a fight with my wife the other night. <laughs> the kitchen table. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Listen, I love Madison Square Garden. I grew up there. I had all my amateur fights in the Garden. I uh, fought on St. Patty's Day there. I fought uh, a lot of fights there. So that was my favorite place. Fighting Larry Holmes for the heavyweight championship of the world could have been anywhere. I love that. I have to love that fight. Even though I got stopped in the 13th round, the experience I had there with such a great, great fighter and uh, made a very nice payday, which, by the way, I held on to. And uh, so, I mean, listen, anytime I got in the ring when the bell rang, you have to be alive. You have to be awake. You got to pay attention, and uh, and that was a great experience for me. I learned a lot of things about myself through those days that I take on with me now with my family, my young family into life, and uh, a beautiful wife, and uh, three great kids, and uh, uh, we talk a lot about those things I learned. I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this: I want to know about one thing in particular that you learned from a particular boxer. You had you know, about 15 years older than you was the Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time, people say. Did you ever come across him? What did you learn from him? Tell me about Ali. You know, Muhammad Ali was a great guy. He's the most famous person in the world. You go to Africa to darkest corners, is a picture of him hanging up in there in the mud huts. And he was just a magical guy. I would see him walking down the airport. He had like a glow to him. He would call my mother and tell her, don't worry, Mrs. Cooney, he's going to be fine tonight. And he did that with lots of people. He, was a, a, he would stop in the city and have the traffic jams, just hanging out with people, showing them tricks and, and, uh, and being around. He's, a, he's a, sorry we lost him. But, you know, the very thing that made him so great was the thing he couldn't get away from. He missed the attention so much that he stayed in the game way too long and he started taking shots. Early on in his career, he prided himself around how well you couldn't hit him. And at the end, it was about how well he took a punch. Well, unfortunately, you know, we find it out from football players and all contact sports that our bodies can't absorb that punishment for too long. And guys that stay in too long they mess up their insides, the, the shock absorbers, if you will, inside your, your body that protect you. And then you, it's irreparable. You cannot uh, come back from it. And they have dementia and different things like that. That happens to a lot of guys in all kinds of sports. And they're finding out more and more. And they're trying to protect us more. But there's only so much you can do. you got to be careful. And he stayed way too long. He loved the attention. He loved the people so much. And unfortunately, that was his downfall. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you don't hear too much about that. And 
I loved hearing about your stories about how he would call your mom to tell tell your mom you were going to be all right that night. <laughs> yeah, man, I, you know, he was just that kind of guy. I got in the ring with him once. I think we were in Detroit, and we were shadow boxing in front of the cr- fight crowd, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, he just he was that kind of guy. One time I saw him at the uh, at the uh, UN building for a boxing symposium, and he sat next to me, you know, and I said, you know, I just bought this house, this little house in the Hamptons, and I was like 23 years old, 22 years old. I said, I had such a great time with him. I said, you know, Muhammad, you got to come on out and spend the weekend with me in my house. You know what he told me? All right, I will. And he put me in touch with somebody, and I wound up canceling it. I said, how am I going to take care of all these people? I was 22 years old. I don't know what to do with all these people. And I couldn't have him out in my house in the Hamptons. But I figured there's going to be 100 people with him. What am I going to do? How am I going to feed him? And I wound up canceling it. I'm so sorry about that. So sorry. The, le- that. the legendary Jerry Cooney canceling Ali. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Let me ask you, Jerry. So today, you know, you turn on the TV, you watch some of today's boxers out there, the Tyson Furies of the world, the Deontay Wilders. What are your impressions of the way those guys box these days? Listen, I like, I love Deontay Wilder. I love Tyson Fury. I love Joshua, Anthony Joshua. But there's something missing. And what's missing is all the great trainers passed on. And in passing on, they took all those gifts that they were giving out to fighters like, you know, Jake LaMotta, Ray Robinson, Willie Pep, Stanley Sadler, and they took it to their grave with them. And so we are getting, as, as fight fans and fighters, a watered-down version of real boxing. And it needs to pay attention. we got to teach defense. we got to teach these guys how to preserve themselves, how to protect themselves. And, um, and, and I love the game. And I teach the game. I have a gym here in Scotch Plains called uh, Jerry's Boxing Academy. And, uh, and I teach the game. And I, I want to teach a couple of pro fighters. And I'm teaching kids how to have confidence, how to develop their confidence and what they want to do with their lives. Now, you most probably, most of them won't become fighters, but through learning about yourself and growing and feeling good about yourself, you got better questions to ask. You got more opportunity. You got people that are more interested in you. And that's what I'm trying to promote. But I also believe that a great fighter has also got to be very defensively minded and they're not that defensively minded now. And also what has we've lost in the game was there's no body shots. No one's, you know, you, you, you set up the body to take down the head. You got to get into the body, get inside the guy, work those ribs out a little bit. He'll drop his hands and then you turn it over. We've not seen a lot of that. It's starting to come back. Guys were like Errol Spence and uh, Mikey Garcia and Terrence Crawford. They're starting to come back with those body shots. But we need to do a lot more work in it. What do you think about, like, the UFC? Is that playing a factor in any of it? I think it did for a while. I think people got very excited about it for a while. They had some good fights. I mean, McGregor against Mayweather and had some big uh, heavyweight fights. But realistically, you know what? I, I mean, listen, it's exciting to see the knockouts or else they just roll around on the floor, you know? So... In my opinion, listen, it's a great sport. Uh, I do talk about it. There's some great athletes. I love them. But to me, I'm a boxing fan, and nothing compares to that. 
Jerry, you still box? Do you still get on that heavy bag? You still doing any boxes? boxing? I still get on the bag. I still work the pads. I still teach boxing. I still spar. Right now, I tore my rotator cuff, I told you. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything for three or four or five months. But I love the game. I love to teach this game because it's a, it's a great game. And, you know, you grow up in these rough, tough atmospheres where you don't have any options. Boxing is a great uh, way to get out, to learn about yourself, to develop as a man. And now they even have women fighting, which is great. And they have great female fighters coming out. So, listen, I know we seem like boxing's got a lull right now, but I want to tell you something. I'm on Sirius XM, you know, that channel 156, every Monday, every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. During this pandemic, I'm on from 7 to 8 because there's no fights going on. But the fight game is a lot of talent. You got Europe fighting with America, fighting with, you know, Japan. It's all real good. A lot of talent, a lot of great fighters, and you're going to see more and more of it. And I'm so excited about that. Jerry, we've been so excited for a long time now, knowing you were going to be joining us on the podcast today. I think one of the things that Rob and I really appreciate about you is, of course, such a legendary career. And You've continued that. Now in, in retirement, you've stayed just as busy. You've been so active. You're very involved with a lot of different programs out there. You've talked about the young boxers you're trying to work with. Tell our listeners out there some of the things that you guys are working on at your gym up in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Well, let me tell you, are you telling me that I have a radio face now? Is that what you're telling me? I got you know no, what? More, no me, more TV what? face. <laughs> it's a radio face. I'm not going to pick a fight with Jerry Cooney. Let me just say okay. that. <laughs> anyway, listen, I, listen, I'm teaching how to love yourself. That's what I'm teaching. I'm teaching people to better themselves, to care about themselves, to care about the people they're around. It's kind of a lost art. And then I'm going to teach some price fighters how to fight, how to be good, how to be great at it, and to be able to get out when you want. See, what happens in the fight game is you fight, you want to become champ, then you realize, well, okay, I'm not going to be the champ, so I'll be an opponent. And then you can't be an opponent anymore. Then you become a sparring partner, and then you retire broke and penniless and with no options. We have to get away from that. And uh, that's a strong, a strong in my program. Jerry. These people had to love themselves. Don't interrupt me again, Brown. <laughs> I was going to say, listen, if there's anybody out there that wants to get involved and learn from you, how can they do it? You can go on Instagram, Jerry A. Cooney. You can go to uh, Jerry Cooney Boxing Academy. Uh, I have a book just out. You know that, guys, on uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, local bookstores, Gentleman Jerry, a contender in the ring, a champion in recovery. And, you, you know, everybody gets a hold of me somehow. I love, love it, to meet with you. Love to say hello sometime, and uh, keep your chin down, ass off floor. <laughs> <laughs> we we got a hold of you, Jerry, and we are so thankful that we did. We appreciate you being on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. The legendary boxer Jerry Cooney. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Great show. Great time. Thanks, All right, everybody. I'm Rick Brandt, and I'm Rob Brandt, and we're the brothers Brandt. Stay strong during this quarantine.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.